Hello and welcome back to the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. My name is Jason Chen. I'll be your host and joining me is Mike Amato. How's it going, Mike? It's going well, Jason. How are you doing? Good, good. Episode 8. We're about three weeks into the season. This is the time where I start to wonder if you know, teams maybe aren't as good as we think, and maybe some teams aren't as bad as we think. And I'm thinking of the Avs. Uh, they just lost their second straight game for nothing. The Ducks are on a roll. I don't know what to think anymore. There's been so many upsets. I've been wrong so many times already. <laughs> I think I'm going to cry. What should I do? Well, it's certainly uh, a tough time of year. I have a feeling um, from what I'm seeing, there's a lot more bad teams than good teams. I think a lot of... <laughs> A lot of uh, teams you thought were going to be stronger look pretty inconsistent uh, mm-hmm. to start the season. So, yeah, I think we're we're going to kind of see as we get closer to American Thanksgiving, usually you can tell who the really strong teams are and potential playoff teams are. But, uh, yeah, I think this year there's going to be a lot more mediocre teams than we think. I'm with you there. So American Thanksgiving is an interesting day because that's kind of like the unofficial playoff cutoff line. If you're outside the playoff picture by that point, it's really, really hard to get in. And we're looking at the Flames struggling, the Oilers struggling, um, the Sabres struggling. We thought that would be like the breakout team of the year. Uh, The Devils can't defend at all. I'm worried about that. Um, The Isles can't score. We knew that already. So we'll see what happens. But I just want to touch on the Ducks for a little bit. Sure. So we've got a loaded rookie class. They've got one by the name of Leo Carlson, who looks incredible, by the way. So whenever he dresses, he's playing top line. He's centering Zegers and Troy Terry. That's a high upside offensive line. If you ever need like a streaming option, I do like Leo Carlson. Now, the frustrating thing is somehow load management has creeped into the NHL. I do not like this at all. Yeah, well, you said streaming option. That's if he plays, right? Because, yeah. he, you know, he sat out uh, a couple games already. And I don't know if it's sort of like injury prevention or they're trying to ease his, his workload into the North American game. But it's definitely not ideal for fantasy if you're going to roster him. And like you said, he looks really good. So it's it, if you're in a deep league, it might be somebody you'd, you'd want to pick up and have on your roster. But it's, it's kind of hard to, to do that now because... You know, it doesn't seem like there's really a rhyme or reason to when they're sitting him. And when he plays, he's he is getting big minutes. So that's great. But yeah, you know, like if you're in a key, I think last Sunday he sat out against the Bruins, if I'm not mistaken. So like if you're Sunday and Tuesday, he sat out. Yeah. So like if you're trying to come back in your matchup or trying to preserve your your head to head matchup and you're counting on Carlson on Sunday and then he just doesn't play because um, he's a, sort of a healthy scratch. That's that's really tough to deal with. So I think for that reason, yeah you know, you're not going to really be able to to roster him. And I guess you can wait until the Ducks are typically, you know, pretty secretive about their lineup and starting goalies. So you might have to wait until warmups to see if he's in. And if he is, then maybe you take a chance on him. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not ideal for fantasy when, when guys are using load management. The one thing about fantasy, and I wish they borrowed this from football, is if they had like an official practice yeah. list and an official roster list that comes out, you know, well before five minutes before puck drop, that would help so much. Starting goalies too. Like there's so yeah. many teams that they just announce, they don't announce it. Just the first guy that comes out for warmups, that's the starter. And it's really tough to plan and, uh, and for that. But obviously fantasy hockey is not their biggest concern. 
the Canes are the worst for this. Like, I never know if it's Anderson or Ranta or Kachekov if he's with the team. Yeah. And granted, I mean, if you started any three of them, you've probably done really poorly so far. So it doesn't make a huge yeah. difference, but it's just really annoying. Columbus, too, the other night, they had one mm-hmm. where uh, yeah. Merzlikens was in the starters net at practice, but Martin left the ice first and nobody really knew who was starting. And then <laughs> it ended up being Martin. But yeah, it's just, it doesn't need to be this confusing. No, it's true. Um, I do want to touch on Trevor Zegers. So normally he's one of their top two centers, except in a 3-2 overtime win against the Jackets, he didn't play the entire third period, played just 12-26 that game. I like his offensive upside, but how do you trust this guy when he gets benched all the time? Yeah, tough start for him. I think he's only got two points, got his first goal the other night. Um, You know, part of me wonders is, does this have a little bit to do with him missing training camp? Um, you know, with the, with the contract thing, like maybe he's still kind of, you know, getting up to speed. I know it's been a few weeks now, but sometimes that impacts players a lot more than you think. I, I've seen it go sort of both ways. I know Jason Robertson last year was in a similar situation and he started the year on a tear. It didn't bother him at all. And obviously if you remember a few months or sorry, excuse me, a few years ago with William Nylander granted, you know, he missed a lot more time. He missed like the first two months of the season um, or, or a month and a half, and he just never got on track. So I don't know. I wonder if a little bit of that is is impacting Zegers, but he should be he should be a 60, 60 to 65 point player easy, no, in that lineup. Yeah, I think so. Keep in mind, though, so Robertson didn't miss camp at all this year, and he's off to a pretty slow start. Yeah. So I think the thing with Zegers is coaching. I think he's got a coach now that doesn't stand for his lackadaisical spinorama backhand pass to the other team. Um, I will say, though, for Zegris, like analytically, if you just look at his shots on goal and his shooting percentage, he's bound to break through at some point. I do think he's going to end up around 60 points, but he's so streaky. And from a fantasy standpoint, if you're in a head-to-head league, it's great when he's hot. In a roto league, he's really, really frustrating because then you have to start picking your games. Yeah, he goes through those cold stretches. And it's interesting because the Ducks, like... That second line right now is probably basically their first line. Like they're producing yeah. a ton. So well, that's because you know, Mason McTavish is arguably their best player. Yeah, he, he's he's going to be incredible. I, I think like he's going to be a great multi-cat fantasy player. You know, he, he might already mm-hmm. be there, but I think by next year he's going to be a really high pick. Yeah. Um. You know, center takes faceoffs, and he's really clicking with Petrano. Like Frank Petrano looks really good too this year. Like yeah. he's such an interesting guy. That guy always kind of. You can always find him on your waiver wire a lot during the season. He's great for shots. Um, he can score. You know, he's usually a 20 goal scorer, but I don't know. This year he looks like maybe he could go beyond that. He's just on fire so far. I think eight goals already. That's that's pretty impressive. The thing with Vitrano is that he has a high floor. So every yeah. season, no matter where he plays in the lineup, he's bound to get his 200 shots. Yeah. I don't think he knows how to pass, which is great because <laughs> you have Ryan Strom who doesn't ever shoot the puck on that line. Uh, speaking of McTavish, it's great. He has if you play position like center left wing right wing it's great that he's centered left wing because then you can always cheat and get face-offs from left wing and then ryan strom too it's interesting this is kind of a low-key move but i think moving from center to right wing has probably helped his game quite a bit and honestly the ducks aren't as bad as we think i think cronin makes a huge difference i think minchukov on the backhand makes a big difference um it just we're used to the ducks being bad, but maybe they're not as bad as we think the Pacific division in set in general has just been topsy turvy. 
Yeah, and, and Lucas Dostal is playing pretty well. Um, he's had a number of quality starts, kind of putting the pressure on Gibson there. So, yeah, they're an interesting team. I I don't see it lasting. I think one of the interesting things we should mention, too, is at uh, some point pretty soon, Alex Kalorn is going to come into that lineup. And I kind of wonder where, where he slots in because I think Vitrano's basically got his spot right now, and I don't think there's any way they can move Vitrano down. Um Kalorn's like a third line player to me, though, like yeah, ability wise. Potentially. I mean, he had some around 60 point seasons with the Lightning, obviously a different team than the Ducks. I wonder if when like Carlson's not playing, they could move Kalorn up mm-hmm. and Zegers could center type thing, like center Terry and Kalorn, that maybe that's a possibility. But mm-hmm. right now, I don't think I don't think they can bump Vetrano down. So I, I think Vetrano's in a pretty good spot there. No. Would you hold Vetrano for a whole season? Uh, yeah, right now I'm not dropping him. <laughs> until, <laughs> until he's, I'm either, I'm either selling, selling high on him, or uh-huh. I'm keeping him right now. Like, what about Dostal? Um, Dostal. I feel like John Gibson's gonna leave at sooner or later. Maybe not this season, but Dostal seems to me like their future number one. Yeah, I think he is too. I think it just depends on kind of how how good you really think the Ducks are. Like, is this just a, a kind of opening couple of week stretch where they're catching some teams Mm -hmm. off guard and you know in a month they're going to be the lowly ducks again because i mean if you pick up dostal he could easily you know blow up two terrible starts in a row and then you're getting frustrated (laughs) you could take a chance if you're really desperate in goal and play him and i think that's the hard part we kind of talked about it off the top how there's a lot of kind of bad or mediocre teams so far. And Mm -hmm. I think it really impacts goalies a lot. Right. And it's one of the things that, you know, we looked at some goalies in the preseason, like zero G candidates, someone like Devon Levi, who I think we all thought the Sabres would be much better. And that kind of hurt someone like Levi, right. When you're, you, you almost have to bank on the player playing well and the team making an improvement in front of him for them to really have value. And I, and I think we're seeing that a lot around the league. Like teams just aren't as strong. Like we talked about the devils too, a bit leaky defensively, like that's hurt Schmied. So there's a number of goalies, I think on teams we thought would be better that just aren't right now. Yeah. And on that note, uh, Uko Pekka Lukanen just came off a four, nothing shutout against. Yeah. The so it, it's really tough to say, especially right now in the season, I, I think some things are getting flip flopped. Some teams just aren't as bad as you think or as good as you think. Uh, the Sens are in the same boat. Um, the Sabres, I think before the season, we talked about how defensively they were really bad last year. That hasn't really changed. Yeah. So you're on to something there. I, I think team defense is going to be really important for goalies, of course. Um, speaking of defensemen. Uh, one of the most interesting developments to me this year is some teams going back to the two defensemen power play. And I think at the top of the li- list is Shane Gosses bear. I have him. Uh, I had him, I should say uh, for the past few weeks was fantastic. It's gone a little quiet again. So I wonder if Detroit's going to keep that going. And if other teams are going to keep going with that uh, deployment, because we see Barry with Yossi on the top power play in Nashville, that's been okay, I think, but I don't know. I I wonder if we're going to see two defenseman power plays again. Yeah, it's becoming more of a trend. I think Nashville, they scored at least one power play goal last night. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. We got bear. The interesting thing about the, uh, about the wings, like I think, I think Gossesper has six power play points and Cider has five. So it's not like one guy is kind of monopolizing all the points. Yeah. It's like both players can produce there, which is interesting. 
Um, I think we're about a month away from Ekblad and Montour getting back. So I wonder if the Panthers go back to that, what they did last year with two Mm -hmm. defensemen. So it definitely, if we start seeing that more, I think it's really kind of impactful for fantasy when you're drafting. You have a lot more defensemen now that, you know, potentially could could get higher point totals if they're if you have an extra guy in the power play for a handful of teams. That's really helpful. Um, but at the same time, it kind of hurts the forwards value too, right? Like you think a lot of teams, if they're taking a forward off the, the power play, putting a defenseman on, like that's that's not ideal either. So it is an interesting wrinkle. Um, it seems like the four forwards and one defense is still most common, but I'm mm-hmm. surprised we're seeing as many teams do it now. Um, like the, the two defensemen thing, it, it's definitely different, but it, if you do it effectively, it can work and it can help both players. Sometimes they start cannibalizing each other though, right? Yeah. Cause like on the sends with Chikrin, Sanderson and um, Shabbat, I know Shabbat's hurt right now. So they're playing them separately. Yeah. But when all three into the lineup, it's so frustrating to me. And I, I say this only because I have Shabbat rostered and I totally regret that decision. I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> One guy that hasn't really disappointed me, though, is uh, Mike Matheson. And we should have seen this coming. He was incredible last season. Uh, didn't play a full season because he was hurt. But the Habs are one of those teams that maybe aren't as bad as we think. I think I think they're probably as bad as we think, but okay. I, I think I think their <laughs> power play might not be as bad as we think, which is is great for Matheson. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, Matheson I think was the guy that was kind of a trendy pick this year. I think people realized he played pretty well in Montreal last year. He was going to get that that quarterback spot on power play one, and but I think he's really exceeded expectations so far. I don't think anybody thought he'd be this good or this consistent or, or picking up you know, all kinds of uh, category coverage. Um, and th- right now, if you look at the Canadians power play last year, they were 29th right now. They're sitting at 12th. So that's a huge improvement. Cole Obviously, Caulfield helps. Don't you yeah. Know? I was going to say a healthy <laughs> Cole Caulfield helps that. And it definitely makes, you know, the, the opposing team pay more attention to Caulfield and, and it's helping Matheson a bit. And he always been good there too. Is Sean Monaghan. Yeah. I was going to bring him up. Yeah, last night, uh, Matheson got a power play assist on, on Monaghan's goal, who, you know, he's been kind of effective in, in that net front area. And, yeah, he's, he's kind of made a click. And I think if Caulfield stays healthy, that's going to be probably at least um, above uh, an above-average league power play. The Canadians yeah. are going to be a lot better there. Monaghan's interesting because I think his decline was injury-related, and he's only 29. He's still got some good hockey in him. So the Habs are 5-2-1. and one. We both agree they're probably not that good, but you don't think that's that's a good sign. You don't think they're maybe five hundred hockey club, maybe a little it, better than that. It's a good sign. Um, I think it's possible. I just think like a couple of things. So number one, they're probably the worst team in the division, even if they are better. Like, do you think there's a uh, a worse team than Montreal? Well, with the way the Sabers are playing, I was going to say Sabers. <laughs> maybe, maybe. If we, I, I guess I'm thinking over a long season, and I just look at their forward group with Doc oh. out. They're yeah, really a one line team. Um, and again, well, they, like, I would say that they don't have a top line. They have two or three decent yeah. lines. <laughs> yeah. So and and yeah, that, that my logic is someone has to lose the games, and there's not that many bad teams in the Eastern Conference. So. No. They're, they're going to be in tough. I think they're a lot better. I think they're like, what I'll say is this. They look to be making bigger strides and bigger improvements than like the Sabres or the Sens, mm-hmm. for example, that we thought might be able to take a leap. 
this year. So we'll see. Um, I don't think they're they do, I don't think they have the talent of some of those other teams, but we'll see what they do. But yeah, they they definitely look more threatening this year, and I think. Matheson, um, whatever the Habs do, I know he got a little bit of an injury last night, but it doesn't sound like it's too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, he could be one of those good players on, on bad teams that's just going to really flourish for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying with the Atlantic division, there's another player that I've been kind of pumping his tires, and I'm glad I did, is Ridley Grieg. Me too. I like him. Seven points in eight games, 18 yeah. shots on goal, 14 hits, multi-category guy. Um, in banger leagues, in deep banger leagues, this guy is really underrated. And I know the Sens kind of switched up their lines. They moved Tarasenko up to Norris and Batherson's line. But Grieg has still been really productive. Yep, that's going to be the key for me is is they were they had kept Tarasenko down with Greg on the third line. Um, and he was really benefiting from that. So Tarasenko's gone up the last couple of games, but he's still, like you say, he's still produced. So we'll see how he's able to, to maintain that if he doesn't. Um, kind of get Tarasenko or someone else stronger in their top six to play with. But yeah, this is a guy that, you know, had, had Shane Pinto signed and not been suspended. He he could have potentially been a a fourth line center, right? Now he's, you know, he's getting some decent power play time. He's up on the third group. He got some time in the top six while Norris was out too. So he's been really impressive. I think the challenging thing um, with him is he's just center only. Mm -hmm. I was looking to pick him up in one of my leagues, but I just couldn't position. Yeah, I couldn't fit him in. And I and I think I don't I don't know if you've noticed this, but I think Yahoo seems to be more um, They're slacking. Yeah, conservative in in doling out their well, dual, dual positions because I find him a lot of center. Sorry, conservative, yes, but in certain cases, I think they're jumping the gun a little bit. I, I can't remember who it was. There was a player that got like right wing eligibility right away, even though he only played a couple games there. Meanwhile, a bunch of players, uh, such as Mason Appleton, still center. He, he's never he's never played center. He's a yeah. right wing for for as long as I can remember. Maybe when he came up a little bit, he played a little center. But um, this is when you can abuse your commissioner powers <laughs> and edit roster positions. Although last time I checked, it's not there anymore. That option. Oh, and, they took it away. Yeah, they took it away, and there's some sort of technical difficulty with that. I don't know. Don't call me on it, but it's not there. Last time I checked, and I was really disappointed because I was going to cheat and make McDavid the defenseman or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, right? <laughs> yeah, it just feels like there's more. I guess I just feels like there's more true centers this year. I don't find as there's as many centers out there that are left wing, right wing eligible as well, which which makes mm-hmm. it tricky in leagues where you have like utility spots mm-hmm. um, or you or you you're trying to have. Uh, get more face-offs you're trying to work in you know a center into the wing spot potentially Mm -hmm. if they play some time there so yeah hopefully they add some more Mm -hmm. okay so enough about you know the good players we should talk about the bad players the ones that we should think about firing into the moon no shortage Uh, there yeah yeah um real quick um we'll run through some of these names there's a couple of players I think we should focus a little bit more on, but I just want to start with Dawson Mercer. Uh, the Devils, very good offensive team. Mercer not doing a whole lot. And going to the season, he was a very popular pick for someone who could really get you points in deep leagues. Yeah, I, I think he's droppable now. I, I'm concerned I about him big time. Uh, he's, he's out of the top six there. Um, and I'm Five not even, shots in seven games. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if you watched. I watched watching the Sabers Devils game the other night. He actually <laughs> had he actually had an empty net 
um, when the, when the Sabres pulled the goal and hit the post. So I was like, oh, this guy just can't catch a break. But yeah, he's not in the top six. I'm not even 100% confident if there's an injury, he'd be the first guy promoted. Like he might in the top they six. They love Hala. Yeah. Like, and, and there's also like Holtz. Like I'm not, I'm not 100% sure they just turned to Mercer right away. So that's what concerns me about that. And if you're not in the top six in the Devils, it, it's not great. Um, really, if, like even if you're kind of with with Heischer's kind of slow start and injury, even mm-hmm. if you're not on that top line with Hughes, it, it's a concern. We saw how Meyer kind of struggled when he was not with mm-hmm. Hughes and Brad to start the year. So, yeah, I, I think there's just better options than Mercer out there. And I think he kind of got miscast a little bit. Like everyone thought, oh, we had such a great season last year, a bit of a, a mini breakout. But when you really look at it, he really had like a 12-game point streak where he picked up 20 points and other than that he was pretty quiet so i don't know it, it's i definitely thought he'd be better than this but i think without that top six deployment he, he's probably droppable yeah 16.8 shooting percentage last season so that skews yeah. on the high side uh for a player that doesn't shoot the puck a lot as you just mentioned yeah someone who shoots the puck but isn't doing a whole lot jordan Cairo. i'm really down on the blues i just don't think they're a very good team i don't know if Pitching your franchise future on Kairu and Robert Thomas is the way to go. I think they're still missing that one elite player. I think they're kind of in the midst of an identity change. Um, they're so different from the one that they that won the cup with O'Reilly and Petrangelo. What are your thoughts on the Blues and Kairu? Yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I think they are going through an identity change. I, I think they're an interesting team. I kind of put them in the same category as the flames to start the year. I really didn't know mm. which way it could go. Um, it, could, it could have had a chance to, to start off well or go really bad. They're just kind of a team I couldn't get a read on, but I think we know with guys like Kyrou and Robert Thomas, um, they're definitely not great for peripherals. So mm-hmm. if they're not scoring or putting up points, it's a big problem um, because they're not really helping you in, in a lot of other areas. So that's, that's definitely concerning. And yeah, I'm just, I'm with you. I'm not high on the blues. I think they had a decent, couple of games to start Bennington actually looked really good but he, he had a well that's the, the problem night, when Bennington really is your top player that's that's a bad sign yeah so I just don't know I, I, and I agree like on, on defense not, nobody really wows me there like uh, mm-hmm. I like Justin Falk actually I think he's he's pretty steady um pretty steady fantasy option but uh, even Krug now I I, I I find Falk, I'm done with Krug. Yeah, I, I find Falk always outperforms Krug yep. despite getting less power play time, less minutes. Like he's he still ends up doing a lot better. So outside of that, I'm I'm not loving their defense. And yeah, they just they you're right. They seem like a team that is searching for an identity. Mm-hmm. Um speaking of the flames, you just brought him up. Nasim Kadri. Um, this is a guy who usually if he's not playing well, still kind of fills the peripheral categories, but you need the points to go with it. Not having the points there really bums me and i think kadri is one of those guys that if he's hot you pick him up if he's not as he is now you can drop him and center such a deep position somebody posted a stat on twitter the other day i don't know if it's still accurate but it was sean monahan has more points than nazim kadri and jonathan huberto combined right now (laughs) and i was just like oh man it is not not a good time to be a flames fan um it's true five points yeah. between huberto and uh kadri yeah they look really out of sorts um kadri i think's been spending some time on that third line it i don't know i just look at that flames forward group and there's nobody that really pulls it together like 
to me, Lindholm. You mean seems- not Mikhail Backlund after yeah. he demanded the captaincy of the contract? I know Backlund. Backlund's an okay player, but again, he's not going to kind of spearhead a lot of offense. Lindholm doesn't look like the same player to me since uh, Kachuk and Goudreau left. I don't know. He doesn't seem like he can help prop anyone up. And yeah, Kadri just looks like he he's searching for something that's not there. I just don't think they have a lot of talent. And I think they, they're just missing that. I mean, they had those elite players, Goudreau and Kachuk, but they're gone now. And they just don't have anybody to replace them to kind of help spread the offense out. And and it's, it's just tough. Like, there's just not a lot there for me when I watch them play. And it's hard because they've had, they have some decent players, some decent options that you think would be great to roster and fantasy, but nobody, nobody is doing well there right now. Huberto is probably the biggest concern I would, I would think because I guess a lot of people thought maybe he's going to bounce back um, or maybe at worst, he's going to, you know, slightly improve on the 55 points he had last year. But I think he's trending even lower than that. I think he's trending in the forties right now for point pace. So I mean, looking good. He's basically a 50, 60 point player now. Which is really yeah. concerning. Oh, sixty! Um, I, I think anyone would sign up for that right now if, if they were <laughs> if they if they're rostering John Huber and, and you said he's going to get sixty points there, you would sign right away, like on the dotted line. Give me that, yeah. I mean, even with the regression and the bounce back, we figured, hey, maybe he's still got point per game talent. But I think that boat's really starting to sail. Yeah, I think I think the thing with Huberto is it kind of depend depended on where you drafted him, like. If you drafted him outside the top 50, let's say he really fell in your league, then it was probably worth it because, you know, even if you got back to 60 mm-hmm. points, that's not bad for somebody that you're taking that low. But yeah, I guess the question is like, what would you do with Huberto right now? Like, are you dropping him? You, you can't really trade him. He's got, no, he's, he got no he's got no value. I think you almost have to keep him and hope he goes on like a two week heater and then you try and move him maybe. Um, at that point when it, when he has a little more trade value, unless you're confident he can keep that going, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not confident. So this is one of those points. We're not even uh, through the first month of the season, by the no, way. No. <laughs> so if you're patient and you're in a league that maybe isn't as intense head-to-head or a roto league, I think you can keep him. But if you have a lot of roster turnover in your league and the head-to-head matchups are really close, I think you can drop Huberto for someone else. I think there are a lot of good options out there. Um, Vetrano, we just mentioned. Um, there's a couple left wings out there. I think that are going to be really good. I'd just stay away from the Flames um, in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think that other than Jacob Markstrom, no one's and Nikita Zadorov's sound bites. I don't think they're very interesting or very exciting right now. Yeah, Markstrom's been good. Like he he's had a lot of mm-hmm. quality starts, just just not getting the wins which mm-hmm. is tough. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he actually has bounced back. It's probably frustrating if you drafted him because yeah, he's got mm-hmm. great numbers, but he's not picking up wins, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's tough. You're at the point now, I think in this season, and you, you said we're not a month in, but still, if you're in a head to head league and you're staring at, Oh, and three or oh, and four, um, you can't really wait too much longer. Yeah, so you, you got to make some moves. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of dysfunctional teams, I love that we're staying in Alberta, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the Oilers, one of the worst teams in the league. No one really expected this. Um, one five and one through seven games, minus 13 goal differential, only 17 goals for Vegas, by the way, has 35, so they've outscored Edmonton by double that. Um, now. I don't think the Oilers are this bad. At some point, McDavid's going to come back. They're going to rattle off 10 straight wins. Yeah, uh, as 
like as a Canucks fan, you seem to be taking great joy in the dysfunction <laughs> of Calgary and Edmonton, which which is funny. But um, yeah, I agree with you. They can't be this bad for for that long. They're too good of a team. They're they're too talented offensively. Um, there should be a lot of players on that team that that you should want to roster in, in fantasy. But, but it here's my question. Yep. If you're the Oilers, can you score your way out of trouble like the Devils? The Devils kind of concern me because their defense is so porous. The Oilers are the same thing, and both teams have really terrible goaltending so far. I don't know if I can trust Jack Campbell or Stuart Skinner much longer. You really can't. You probably like you probably can score your way out of the problems in, in the regular season anyway, like yeah. in that Pacific division. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of teams that do this, right? Like we see there's a lot of teams out there that are tied to the cap with flaws, but you're just you're playing a, a mediocre team twice a week and you're just going to pick up wins on based off your talent. So I think Edmonton can do that, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm Campbell and Skinner. I'm, I'm shocked that it's, it's gone this bad for them and it hasn't all been them. Like I think the Oilers have been no, pretty bad defense. defensively, but yeah. I do think, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, like the Oilers play twice next week. And I know when I'm, sick of someone or I'm frustrated of a player and, and I'm ready to move on that that's the week I do it so I would look around in your league for some buy low candidates um this week because I have a feeling Campbell could be hitting the waiver wire in a lot of leagues Skinner could be hitting the waiver wire in a lot of leagues yeah. even Campbell's someone like already yeah yeah even someone like Evander Kane um maybe someone's people are getting getting frustrated there with the with the third line roles at times I know he's been bumped up with McDavid out, but yeah, I just think there, there could be some by low candidates there because they can't be, they can't be bad for this long. It, it, it just doesn't make sense with Connor McDavid and Leon dry settle there. They're, they're going to start producing and winning games. Yeah. You hope yeah. Um, I have Evan Bouchard in my league. Unfortunately we count plus minus as well. And this guy's just frustrating. He gets the points, but nothing else. And I don't know what to do in cases like this. Do I keep the points and just live with the, bad plus minus what would you do you talk to your commissioner and say get rid of plus minus because that's <laughs> i've been advocating for this for so long yeah. and ev everyone's against me because they're like well you know it's a team thing so it's a fantasy team so if you have a good plus minus it means you drafted a team with good players i'm like no not really yeah so. it's kind of a random stat i don't know like well, if well it's not a good indicator of how good a player is no no certainly not and i i mean I think sometimes it, it can be to an extent, but yeah, I think there's just a lot of players that, you know, it, they get a minus and it, it's not their fault. But or like it's an empty net goal. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think there's, you know, someone like Bouchard, if you have plus minus, yeah, you have to weigh all that stuff, stuff in on it's, it's, this, it's, if it's a category, it's a category. It's the same as if you're looking at a player that, you know, doesn't really hit and you're in a, in a multi-cat league, but they get points, right? Like we talked about Kyrie and Thomas, like you have to weigh all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, even if they do have bad plus minus, I think if you're looking at Bouchard specifically, when the Oilers start to get better, that, that stat should get better for him. Yeah. But I mean, he's probably not going to score 70 points this year either though. Eh? I don't know. Maybe like he, he was clicking pretty well. Like he, he's actually been producing. Okay. Um, I think for him, if if they can get on a heater and and McDavid and Drysdale and that power play really gets going and he starts scoring in bunches, yeah, seventy might be a stretch, but I think sixty plus maybe. 
Um, a bit of a power play specialist now since he's playing third pairing minutes and, and Jay Woodcroft does not trust his, trust him five on five. Kind of yeah. getting the Tyson Berry treatment, which really scares me. Yeah, as long as he's getting that power play time, though, I, I think he's fine. That And in that, maybe that's one of the concerning things. Like, I know we had a debate in the preseason, who would you rather have, Bouchard and Fo- or Fox, like going into the Adam Fox going mm-hmm. into the season. I think we both were pretty resoundingly with Bouchard. But now that, like, yeah, he's third-pairing sheltered guy at even strength, Mm-hmm. that's not really ideal um even though he's going to get that huge power play uh bump but yeah um that's definitely something to consider moving forward if he's going to play those reduced minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fair enough um speaking of defensemen there have been three defensemen that i think no one's talking about and should be rostered in all fantasy leagues noah dobson travis sanheim and philip horonic both playing or all three playing a ton of minutes dobson 24 52 that's seventh in the league uh, Hronik, 24-33, that's 15th in the league. And then Sanheim, almost 26 minutes a game, second in the league. Um, I picked up Hronik in one of my leagues. He's been incredible with Quinn Hughes. Uh, Sanheim's interesting. I think he's one of those players like Thomas Shabbat where he plays enough minutes to just fill every single stat across the sheet. Yeah, Sanheim, I think he's never scored more than 35 points in a season. So I'm a little concerned, even though he's had like basically a point-per-game start so mm-hmm. far he's on power play one like that's great um but i am a little concerned with him over the long term but right now yeah ride that wave while you can he looks great heronic's getting the bump with hughes um you know sometimes you just send a five foot pass to quinn hughes and let him let him do his thing and you get hopefully get a secondary assist or something <laughs> hey, along that, the way that's doing a disservice to heronic i think he's been really good <laughs> no he um, is he is he, and he's good for category coverage and yeah, yeah and, and second unit power play too so he yep. gets a little power play time in there um but yeah. you're right though Qu- playing next to quinn hughes will bump your fantasy value yeah and it's funny you mentioned i, I think out of the players you mentioned dobson's the most mm. surprising to me just because i kind of really? thought well I, I i think everyone knows dobson is good and i think he's rostered in, in most leagues i just think coming into the season based on kind of what he's shown and what and how the aisles play i think everyone kind of thought oh maybe he's like a, you know did you think he was going to get more than 50 55 points like now it kind of feels like hmm, maybe he's pretty good for a defenseman though no it is but it is yeah. but now if you want if you look at his numbers now it's like hmm, if he can keep this going like he could maybe get 65 right like the way he's playing and you know the islanders are a team that i never really love rostering players from there because they just feel like they don't score enough but he seems oh, tell to me get- about it <laughs> yeah he seems to be getting <laughs> lead on Marcel for a while yeah and and dobson's shot totals and block totals this year are way up too mm-hmm. so I, I think dobson's been actually the most pleasant surprise for me i think part of that too is ryan pulak and adam pellick aren't yeah. nearly as relied upon as much anymore um but you're right i'm with you the aisles are kind of a desert wasteland when it comes to fantasy options although i will say that i've been pleasantly surprised by kyle palmieri second line power play one it's kind of bumped anders lee off that power play um but he's been pretty productive and and honestly a pretty good streaming option considering i always find right wing a bit of a a tough position to fill because there's not that many although having left wing right wing dual eligibility for a lot of wingers is helpful yeah, no, he's fine. I think Palmieri's good as long as he stays healthy. He usually produces pretty well. So, mm-hmm. Goalies, this is my favorite subject. So, I mean, aren't you glad that we were right on Joey Wool last week? The the Joseph Wool era? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's going to stay as a starter. I feel like Sam Sonov's going to um, 
rot- rotate back in at some point. But Joey Wool looks really good. He does. I, 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 I'm still not over missing out on him in my draft. 15th round. <laughs> I had him queued up. Someone took him two picks before me. I knew he was going to be good. Um, I just, I just think he, he's going to play a lot. He looks, he looks more confident than Samsonov. Samsonov mm-hmm. moves around a lot. He doesn't look that fundamentally sound when he plays. Even last night, Samsonov played okay, but some of the goals you're just looking at, like the first goal that went in on him, he just didn't really have his uh, stick set right. He's just kind of a guy that's not super fundamentally sound. And Joseph Wall looks more like that kind of prototypical goalie moves well, um, you know, very controlled with his movements, doesn't look busy in the net. So, and he's playing really well. And, and, but you're right. I think now the amount of like true starters and true backups in the league are, are very, very small. I think mm-hmm. if wall is the, you know, quote unquote, number one, like, what does that mean? Maybe he's playing 55% of the games and Samsung's playing 45%. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think um, if you have Samsung, you should panic too much, really. Unless no, you, you shouldn't drop him. Yeah, unless he really falls apart. Obviously, if you can get the tandem, great, but I'm imagining Wall's probably getting scooped up left and right. So, yeah, he's kind of, I, I said in, in the preseason, Wall reminds me a lot of Stuart Skinner last year. He's kind of waiting there with an unproven goalie or, or sort of unproven goalie in front of him, and the opportunity is there with a good team in front of him and yeah he, he's a great great uh option right now if you added him on waivers or if you drafted him very late you know who else is a good option right now joey the cord oh i don't so know about picked- a good option he's he's what? a op- he's a option oh my god <laughs> i picked him up uh last week and he's been incredible for me the kraken really suck by the way they keep getting outshot <laughs> Um, so he's not getting the wins, but he's getting a good save percentage for me and a lot of saves. Yeah, he um, is. I don't get the Joey Decord hate. What's wrong with Joey Decord? No, I, I, I think he's been good. I actually wrote about him this week too. Like he started three straight games while Grubauer's been healthy, so he's obviously kind of getting a foothold on the net there. But yeah, like you said, he, he. I think Wednesday he made forty-two saves and lost. Um, Saturday night, <laughs> tough, tough bounce against the Panthers there. I don't know if you saw oh, yeah. that game. Um, he had a chance to win that one 30 plus saves there loss. So, you know, it's kind of like how good are the Kraken? You know, like you said, if the Kraken aren't that good, like you can pick him up and if he'll give you volume and if you have saves as a category or if he keeps posting these save percentage numbers, it's great. But, you know, we saw like Martin Jones last year there was i know that was a huge outlier probably the biggest of last season well he had horrible numbers but like his he had a great win-loss record right and it kind of looks like good goal support now they have none right so it's kind of flipped the court's having good numbers but he's not getting the win so you know what i i definitely pondered picking him up because i i could use a third goalie but i just haven't i'm not quite there yet on him i think it's great that he's getting the games because again i think grubauer has always struggled to hold that spot but if the kraken do kind of go on a run and and they start winning games i think yeah decord will be someone to watch i think grubauer will rotate back in at some point like samsonov um i just really don't trust grubauer much less than samsonov yeah i agree you can't trust him at this point yeah grubauer's had two two seasons to prove himself uh to be the starter in in seattle and injuries aside i think he's been horrible <laughs> i think there was good reason the abs moved on from him and i this is the thing about the kraken i, I can't really get a good read on them because yeah. in their inaugural season 
okay, they were bad. I kind of expected that. I didn't think they'd be that bad because they're missing like a good center and some pieces, new team that happens. Last season, they came out crazy strong. I was surprised. So I figured maybe they're somewhere in between, but they're not somewhere in between. They're more like first year Seattle than second year Seattle. Yeah, I think what's going on with them is last year, they had a lot of players kind of play really well. And it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, when you win like that, when you kind of need like almost everyone playing well, you know, it's hard to win that way. Most teams in this league rely on a handful of players to carry them and they don't have that player. So, you know, the odds of you playing well as a team, you know, and having kind of four lines rolling Mm -hmm. and everyone kind of scoring 20 goals, like that's just not going to continue over the long term. So Mm -hmm. to me, they're missing that impact player to really kind of push them forward. Yeah, I I agree. And Maddie Beniers struggling. You're probably right about that one. I thought Maddie Beniers would be really good this year, but he's he's struggling. And I think some of it's just the wingers around him. I will have to give a shout out to Ty Cartier though. Um, I I do think Dave Haxtell should have started him uh, in the top six before the season, but he's worked his way up. Uh, kind of like a Frank Petrano light. No matter how many minutes he plays, he just gets a lot of shot volume and some hits too. So. If you're in a banger league and, and you need like a deep, deep sleeper, maybe Cartier is your answer. Uh, so at the end, we always do our sleeper and keeper for the week. Do you want to go ahead and make your picks? Uh, sure. As we sort of just kind of badmouth the Kraken, it's ironic <laughs> because I'm um, I'm suggesting a Kraken here. Um yeah, Jaden Schwartz, I think, is going to be my keeper. Someone you want to hold on to. I think he's got four points in his past three games or four points in four games, something like that. And he's center left wing eligible, which we talked about is hard to find. Weird that he's a center. Yeah, um, but he's all he is. He is I, I, he is winning faceoffs. Like he's winning. Yeah, he takes draws. Yeah. Three to four faceoffs per game, so that's not bad if you have him there. I think that his versatility is really helpful. Um, and my sleeper is kind of, I, I went with Daniel Sprong. He's kind of former Kraken. <laughs> yeah. So he's not like, I don't know how, I think everyone knows Sprong's kind of MO. He doesn't play a lot, but he scores, but this year he's, he's got a point in six of his nine games. He's actually really been a lot more consistent and he's getting a, a few more minutes than he did last year per game. So um, I think he's somebody to, to take a chance on. Okay. All right. Well, my picks this week uh, as a keeper, uh, Nick Schmaltz on the Coyotes. Uh, Coyotes play four games. Usually in these head-to-head things, I really take into consideration how many games they play that week. Yeah, and huge. I look at the Coyote schedule. They play the Hawks on Monday and they're back-to-back uh, Anaheim and Montreal Wednesday, Thursday. So I like those matchups. And Nick Schmaltz, weirdly, still very much under-rostered in every single league I've ever seen. It, it's crazy. I know Bear Hayton hasn't been producing, but Schmaltz and Keller are probably one of the best duos in the league, no? Yeah, I think Schmaltz has basically been a point-per-game player pretty close to it over the past mm-hmm. two years. He just, I think he misses a lot of time with injuries. He's not the best for peripherals, but yeah, straight points. It, you can't argue with him. He's great. Uh, my sleeper for the week is Wyatt Johnston. Um, again, the Stars play four games this week. Um, I'm not sure how Calgary and Edmonton will recover, but the Stars are going on a Western Conference or West Coast swing. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, They play Columbus on Monday. I think that should be a good matchup. White Johnston, a bit of a slow start, but two, um, four points in his past three games. And I do like the Stars. I think they've been a little slow going. I think we haven't seen the best of the Stars yet. 
Yeah, I think they're going to get better. I like Johnson. He had a great year last year as, as a rookie, but I'm just a little concerned. They don't get a ton of offense outside of that top line. But yeah, I think Johnson's worth a look. And that top line's kind of struggling a little bit, eh? Because we just yeah. talked about Jason Robertson having that slow start. Granted, Rupe Hintz was hurt, so maybe that changes things. And we have time for one mailbag question. Uh, this is from Captain Morgan. Morgan Hobbs underscore seven on X or formerly known as Twitter, would you consider Drewing Druan droppable at this point? Uh, I'd more than consider it. Yes, he is definitely droppable. Um, out of the, off that top line, that start with McKinnon and Rantanen, they've broken broken that up now. Uh, Rantanen's dropped down, and yeah, Druin's just. Uh, I don't think much value if he's not in that one specific spot. So I think he was worth a flyer to start the season just to see if that top unit would really click and, and stick together but it just hasn't yep agree totally agree um Drouin was a big risk coming into the season moderate upside it was there but without top six minutes without playing next to mckinnon i mean there's no value there no 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 question about it all right <laughs> on that note this is the end of this episode um please please subscribe like favorite rate on your platform of your choice uh we are back next monday um thanks for listening and have a great week